0: This is the official Scottish Rugby podcast with Caroline Blair and Chris Patterson, and it's the fall of the week, so a, a good opportunity for us to have a wee wrap-around chat, a wee catch up of everything. Um, I should tell you now, Mossy, I'm actually in Dunkeld. I think I had to get, <laughs> get get away from from Murrayfield as quickly <laughs> as possible after the end of that game, but we'll we'll, we'll come to that. We've got <laughs> we've got plenty of time. Uh, how are you? What are you up to this the, fall of the week?
1: week. Well, we've got um, obviously Edinburgh and Glasgow back in URC action. So been in and of the squad to them. Uh, the national team were training towards the the end of the, the week as well. Where under twenties. So yeah, um, lots of opportunities for players who haven't played a huge amount of minutes to get back playing. A um, lot of opportunity for players who've played a lot of minutes to to recover. Um, and of course the Edinburgh Glasgow. They, uh, I think was it thirteen weeks in the bounce they did before their break. So. Um, a lot they of rugby that through, big. yeah, a lot of rugby through URC and, and European competitions. But um, having spent a bit of time with both uh, clubs and sides this week, they uh, they're desperate to get back in action. So Edinburgh up, up first there with to Zebra on Friday, and then Glasgow at home to Dragons on Saturday. So um, individual players looking to play well, teams looking to pick up victories both in the uh, the top six. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, although it's a final week for the Guinness Six Nations. There's there's always rugby on the go.
0: Oh, there's always rugby on, always rugby. Globally, there's it never a week it is, without like. it.
1: I'll, I'll find it if <laughs> there is.
0: On 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 the Edinburgh and Glasgow, it's a good opportunity that, actually. Uh, you mentioned that they did have such a long stretch there. Needed a wee window to catch the breath a bit. But arguably, what's the focus now going back then? Because um, I guess at the beginning of a season, it's all, you know, first days at school, it's getting back into the rhythm, rhythm of things. But this is slightly different now for the second half.
1: It is. I mean, it, 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 we spoke about, You know, continuation plus improvement on Glasgow from last season. They were well settled. The you know not a huge amount of turnover of players. Obviously settled coaching staff. So it was a it was a case of starting the season well, building on where they finished last season. Where Edinburgh were in a different place. Really, they were almost starting afresh. A lot of change had to you know almost find their feet. Maybe strip things back a little bit on the field, and they did that. They've been uh, really competitive. They say they're sitting sixth at the moment in Glasgow and third. But this part of the season becomes you know winning. The the sometimes the league table and, and URC can tell tell some lies in terms of who's mm. been in South Africa, who you know, which players have still to do their, their games away in South Africa and face the challenge of the you know, the journey and the travel. Um who's played most of the teams in the top six or perhaps those teams who who are towards the, the lower end of the table. So it starts to balance out and you get a period where one or two victories can have a massive swing on your your um, your league position. So it is tight, but I think this is, period is about learning from that 13-week block, um, managing your squad as best you can with a a mixture of players who've potentially played some international rugby, some who haven't played a huge amount of rugby and are desperate to get back in, but ultimately winning. Picking up wins in this window of during the, six, or the two follow weeks in the Six Nations are vitally important.
0: Well, you mentioned it there. So uh, first up, Edinburgh this weekend, 16th of February. So that's the Friday night game. That's an 8.35 hour time kickoff against Zibray away. And Glasgow Warriors, meanwhile, are hosting Dragons at 7.35 at Scotston on the 17th. We tapped. We tapped into the under twenties very briefly there as well. It's been a. It's been an interesting start for them as well. Uh, we had a catch up with Kenny. How do you think after round two? How do you think the under twenties will be? Will be feeling going into that third round three session against England coming up?
1: Well, frustrated would be the mm, the key. That's a Good word. Um, not... Yeah. Uh, the the performance in uh, Colwyn Bay against Wales was was credible. Um it was, you know, the lead I think did we say switched hands like seven or eight times. About
0: like seven so, times, yeah. Yeah,
1: seven times. So frustrated that you, know, you were able to to find a level of performance to to edge ahead in the game, uh, but ultimately fall behind. And as a windy night in Colwyn Bay. So probably frustrated with one or two of the errors, but inspired by one or two of the performances. We spoke about Fergus Watson at fullback, Freda Freddie Douglas, mm. who's been brilliant in both games, the open side flanker. Um so be frustrations around you know, both fixtures, frustrations around the, the second game against France at home the first half performance was, they were just blown away really physically, physically um, for long periods of it and that physical you know, kind of um, the, I suppose the, the imposing of the physical French players created space and two or three of the tries that the French scored in the first half were just simply just brilliant, you know, classic, what we would you know, often the align with French rugby, their their wingers and their fullbacks cutting lines and scoring tries after a multi-phase. But short fight in the second half, of the twenties, they, they really could have been well, they were staring down the barrel at halftime. Um, hadn't scored a point. I think it was what sort of four tries to to nil, and really dug in. Um,
0: I I think, I think that that's a really important point. I mean, what was it, twenty nine? Fourteen fifty something, yeah, twenty nine fourteen. Yeah. I think it finished up when, you, and when you look at that second half, it was very. It was a very different second half performance for Scotland.
1: It yeah, was, well, and we said that. I mean, we, I know we're going to talk about the the kind of Six Nations shortly, and we, we can talk about the second half in Wales from a Wales <laughs> perspective. But quite often, when it shows you when the decisions made for you in terms of how you want to play and how you want to approach the game, it can be easier there's a real clarity of understanding of what what needs to be done when you when you are you don't want to be trailing by a large margin but it just focuses everyone's mind that there's only one way we can attack this so it, by definition it gives you real clarity um but I think the, there was more quality than that in the second half in the under 20s game for, for Scotland they lost uh you know a couple of bad injuries uh, right at the start of the second half uh, another nasty injury um Elliot Young just at the end of the first half uh and Smith uh, start the second half, that can rock you. So you've already been, you know, losing some of your uh your, your quality players. But the fought and the fault, and actually watching the game in the second half and Scotland coming back into it, it felt as if they were closer than the two scores. I think at the time that the um France were ahead. So you know, there's positives to take, but ultimately it's two defeats. Um, and they want to put that right against against England. Uh, next time round, great crowd. Uh, the the game against France, at Hive, uh, another big crowd expected in the England game, and it's it's all part of the it was a development process of dealing with that and being inspired by that. But then getting these these uh, performances on a, on a level that we can hopefully pick up some wins.
0: And ultimately, I mean, France finished second, if memory serves, in the table last year, last season, so or last year in in the twenty twenty three under twenty six nations. Um, I think England were behind them on third, so 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 it is, it is a challenging block of, of weeks, but great to have those games at home and the difference, the difference that the fans can make, the difference that the crowd can make at Hive is is also <laughs> basically come out and support. You know what a great yeah. warm up for the England game as well.
1: Well, I was along at the French game and it was brilliant. The, and similar to the uh, the main fixtures, a, a lot of French people have made a lot of noise and the Marseilles was sang at top volume and it was just a you know really enjoyable. Uh, enjoyable atmosphere, tough you know, tough opposition. There's quality players on both sides, but there's there's quality players in the the French side that have played quite a lot of top fourteen rugby. Mm. Um, you'd argue that, that some of them, uh, the team that Scotland faced was chain was different from the team that Ireland under the twenties faced the mm-hmm. the week before. Um, so there was a a probably rotation element to the to the French side as well, but they're just so deep in talent. Um. But as I said, the, the, the young Scottish players dealing with adversity of one or two injuries, dealing with adversity of falling behind, dealing with the, the pressure and the excitement and whether you can be inspired by the crowd is is all part of the process. But it's um yeah, it's it, it's adding to that um and, and improving on that and um and, and, you know getting trying to get some victories.
0: French travel well, don't they? We did see that at Scottish Gas Murrayfield on Saturday. They don't have travel well. They, uh, <laughs> the Marseilles, as you said, <laughs> was belting out as well. But it, the, I was surprised at the number that travelled. We always have a really good support coming over, but it, the, the number that travelled over and the volume. And, and it was just it was a great atmosphere inside the bowl as well, wasn't it? It
1: was. It, it was pretty flip-flop back and forward as well, didn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: I thought uh, we were playing
0: tennis for a minute. Uh,
1: the... Sorry. <laughs> For me, I was I was on duty and commentary and can kind you of say it at the time the the psycho psychological impact of not taking points at the end of the first half was yeah. was a, a big, big moment. Um the obviously opted for the scum, which I don't think many people disagree with the rationale behind it. You've felt the you know the 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 pressure building France that conceded penalty after penalty. That's can you see the yellow card? That means they've had to bring a replacement front row on. Um, you win another penalty from that scrum. So, the initial scrum you won a penalty from, I think, um, Luku was, was offside. Um, it was actually a brilliant tackle from that scrum by Jalibert that stopped Duhan Van ever getting away. Mm. Um, but then the, the, the second scrum, if you know what I mean, uh, was a penalty like against part, us. Yeah. Um, and in hindsight. You know, quite understandably, people saying, well, if you kick three points there, then you go in like 16 10 up. Um, so you, I just felt that was a big, big moment. Um, I can totally understand taking the scrum. Um, at the same time, I could understand kicking three points because France had scored last taken so back from 13 3, I think, to 13 10. So guaranteeing some points just before half time is important. Um, and then, you know, the, the second half became a real game of chess. Um Again, there's been so much written and so much said, we won't go back, we'll look ahead. But just to give some context around some of the decision-making, I suppose, I mean, mm. you know, again, there's a, there's a chain of thought that like, why did Scotland defend a lead or, or not play? And the chain of thought against that is you're six points up. Imagine the scenario if you did play a wee bit erratically or you did take risks and then you conceded a try and you're, you know, through overplaying and, and wet conditions in your own half, often you know it, you could yeah. see the the headlines there. <laughs> On the flip side, a team of the quality of France, you know that they're probably going to score a try at some point. There's probably going to be a an opportunity for them to score. But actually, I just thought it was really good execution um, yeah. from from France and from Scotland that in terms of the kicking game, the. The kick tennis, everybody said, we, we don't often see, it's, it's becoming more apparent now, this five-metre law, 10-metre law, DuPont law, whatever you want to call it. But it was highlighted with the exceptional kicking skills at the weekend. Um, they were phenomenal. You, well, usually these kick battles, there's a trigger that triggers you out of it, triggers a counter-attack. Is it a poor kick? Is it a shorter kick? Is it a slice kick? Is it a, you know, somebody running you know, or making a pass and and the ball's in here a bit too long so you can really trigger that hard press and go and put something under pressure. The kicking skills are predominantly of uh, uh, Thomas Ramos and Finn Russell where they were banging the ball 50 odd by 50, 60 metres Within a, a five meter radius of the touchline, or a five meter distance of the touchline, it was
0: unbelievable. But
1: well, it meant these that kicking duration lasted for longer and longer.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Of course, I'd rather see a
1: counter attack. Harry Patterson had a couple of really good strikes. Jali Bear had a really couple of really good strikes. So there wasn't the poor kick that sometimes sparks a counter attack, or or means that you know it can hint towards a decision. Right, let's break out of this and go. The law needs changed. I think everybody knows that. But I think it was highlighted by. Just the the patience and the the accuracy of two quality players or two or three quality players. So, um, they're going back to the point about Scotland managing that period. I thought they managed that 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 period reasonably well.
0: It's it's a funny it's a funny one though when you're looking so before a game and you're looking at like how how the last sort of quarter of the game might play out and you're, you're one of the things you're looking at is the bench. For both sides, and France has opted for a six-two split. What are your your thoughts on that, and and the impact of the game? I know we're not going down the route of South Africa with a seven-one, but do, do you think that you can you have to factor that into your own game plan, or do you have to just yeah, just carry on with what you're planning to do?
1: Yeah, you pick what suits you. Um, mm-hmm. As a utility back, <laughs> I, I always quite like the fact that there was you know. A, a five-three split on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose as somebody could cover a number of positions, a six-two would would be a a way that potentially would maybe if I wasn't the starting fifteen could get into the the twenty-three with a bit of versatility. I think it's a little bit more different now. I think it's more about trying to you know just assert physical dominance on the opposition. Yeah. Um, uh, like it's it, it, it's what it's what the the opposition it's right for the opposition. I I don't know. I, I prefer a 5-3 split. I prefer the variety it gives you. I prefer, I think, a lot of substitutions and replacements and gameplay should be around decision-making and try to change the game or influence the game. I think if you go 6-2 or 7-1, you your plan's given away, and it's a challenge to the opposition, is can you cope with this? Can you deal with it? Where I think yeah, it, it gives true. you far more scope if you've got a 5-3, um, aligned to how teams want to play. But, I mean, you, you can understand it's a, it's just the evolution of the game, isn't it? Like, different ways to try and support what your game plan is and how you play. I much prefer a 5-3. I like
0: um, a 5-3, yeah. Well, just
1: the flexibility it gives you. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the risk of getting an early injury to somebody in your back line, you know, uh, on a 6-2 or, or a 7-1, take that out of it, or a 6-2, it can compromise you. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you are... Can you taking a risk more so? Um but how can, many how many of well, how many forwards play eighty minutes now? I know with well? it zip you know, so so that that can maybe potentially catch your risk of injury because you're playing 35, 40 minutes max. But uh, yeah, I prefer a five three, but you can totally understand the the reasons behind uh, other ways.
0: And one of one of the changes that we did see, albeit temporary, at one point was Ewan Ashman coming on for George Turner. We saw the, I guess, the activation of the the mouthguard technology too, which was it was quite interesting to see that in play. Actually, do you want to talk us a round a wee bit about what that means?
1: Yeah, the players have have, uh, um, have the option of of a, a smart mouthguard uh, that can. I mean, I don't know the the terminology or the, the specific. <laughs> Details, but it's effectively like a force measurement, and it can mm-hmm. measurement at a force. And if if there's a a collision or a movement that you're involved in that's above the threshold that's set by World Rugby, um, then it's a trigger for you to come off for a for a test. Now that doesn't replace HIAS. It's not replacing the amazing medics and uh, physios and side doctors and television doctors and uh, you know officials we've got that are looking out for for these contact as well I mean that's all still it's an additional tool that can highlight um, uh, maybe a collision that's missed or, or a movement that's missed um, and obviously George must have his mouth guard must have picked up a, an incident he was involved in that was above the threshold and he went for his HIA and was checked and was absolutely fine and came back on so it's another tool um, but as I say it's it's alongside the the quality medics existing. we have in place existing, all the existing strategies as well and
0: Congratulations are in order as well. Uh, a lot, a lot of good uh, came came from from what we saw um, of the rugby of of moving on around two uh, at the weekend. But congratulations go to Kyle Stain. <laughs> what we surprised surprise no. that one turned out to be! Had, had the little birth of uh, baby Arabella. So hearty congratulations to them. But I mean, I would have paid money to hear how that conversation between Harry Patterson and uh, <laughs> Gregor or <laughs> Oh, can you imagine? Wakes up in the morning, 24th man. Not only are you now involved in the game, but you're you're starting at fullback.
1: Yeah, he did well, didn't he? That, oh, uh, he did
0: so well. It was a great really
1: start. Well. He, he did really well, Harry. And do you know what? I, when I was watching what well, was involved in the game in, in Cardiff uh, and the TV pictures on the screen I was watching, you saw the players coming off the bus in Cardiff and walking up the stairs into the changing room. And One of the players you know who's part of the squad who's was traveling was reserve was Harry Patterson. Um, and I don't know why, but I thought oh, that's great for Harry. And then I saw him warming up in the field, and yeah, I knew I knew he was there mm-hmm. and he was part of the squad. But at that point, I thought it's great because if he goes on to be an international player, then having exposure to that, that experience is it allows you a free hit almost mm. when you're not part of the match day squad, but you are and you're exposed to everything before the game. And I just wondered. Fast forward a week. How valuable that was mm, because it wasn't point. all new to him. Because yeah, it was all new because he was involved, and of course, it was at home and not away. But just even the the watching, observing the behaviour of everybody else, and what the noise is like, what it feels like. I, I thought that was, you know, as I say, fast forward a week, it, it became even more valuable for him. But he just handled it so well. You know, it was a congratulations to. Kyle Stane and his wife, and, and you know, I think he'll be he'll be delighted for, for Harry the way it went as well. Kyle Rowe moving position and playing so well in the, in the opening two games. So,
0: we spoke um, to them both, must say, you, yeah, you and I sat right, down aye. a few weeks ago, and they both said, We are, <laughs> and they we're both no said here to...
1: they'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> be surprised. <laughs>
0: we'll be surprised. Wait, we're not here to make up the numbers, but you know, like we're, we're going to embrace it. Oh, my goodness, and then sure enough, they're both it shows you. Starring.
1: I mean, and we've said it time and time again. I mean, I think maybe I said it last week in terms of uh Cameron Winnett, the the under twenties fullback for Wales last year is playing Test match rugby this year. It comes it can come around really, really quickly. So and it did for Harry and he did really well. Um dominant in the air, aggressive, really big important play in the in the build up to try where he took the space to do two defenders, run hard at the space. When you've got defenders backing off, uh and the defenders are kind of they want to give you more time than to try and almost spook you. He just did exactly the right thing: run hard at the space, pull on two defenders, get the offload away. Brilliant hands for Hugh Jones and try from from Ben White. Um, as I said before he had one or two excellent kicks in those kicking exchanges as well. So uh, yeah, a, a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good debut for for Harry. Although it'd be a uh, yeah, maybe it's better just to be told in the moment, right? Get on with it. There's less time to less time to worry about things.
0: We we did talk about that in hospitality. That's exactly what the what, what the players said. Who uh, who who've experienced the the big stage. They both said actually. I kind of wish I'd been thrown in that way. Um. But yeah, a great opportunity. He took it with both hands, didn't he? Just and, and a great outing for him uh, individually, for the team as a whole. Did the result go the way we wanted? No, it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. The performance was improved from from what we'd seen in terms of the areas that Gregor would have wanted to see. Uh, on the back of the opening weekend. But well, let's just do this as quickly as we can. The try that wasn't a try. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was at the touchline. I, I was literally down on the ground waiting to take the mic. And <laughs> it was one of those most frustrating moments, I guess, and yeah. echoed by three quarters of the, the stadium and those and watching around the world. But, it, but that's the game, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, um, the further you get away from it, the clearer it is. And I know people say it was desperately crystal clear right away in the moment, but like, and and it it was pretty, you know, obvious to me that the ball had been had been grounded, but then you know the the whole language and terminology around the on field decision and the television match official decision and conclusive and, uh, you know all the confusing, isn't it? Yeah, all all the terminology, but I mean ultimately, Scotland got back into the game, and this is this aligns to what I'm saying about how I felt as if even at six nil of course at six points leads of course you want to push on and try and get more but you can't force it you have to create the opportunity through good decision making under pressure at the right times so the opportunities to score didn't come in that period mm-hmm. but then the manufacture another opportunity when after they did fall behind to score now of course there's space out on the right hand side and if some of the players have had the time again they'd maybe have shifted the ball a bit wider but Ultimately, Sam Skinner of got the ball over the line, and, and you know the picture shows he got it down. So it's frustrating. Um I think. I mean, what I said in commentary: like, where else was the ball? Once it rolled off the foot, where else was it? It couldn't be anywhere else but on the ground. But because there's
0: been can... some great memes though. Like, well, yeah, like, because you, know, you like... couldn't
1: see the bottom of the ball. There's, well, there's that little bit of doubt. There's, there's shooting, a
0: fiver it? between it. <laughs> yeah. Between the ball
1: and the but, ground. But, uh, but uh, also a point that hasn't really been made or spoken about was the fact that the ball was clearly over the line because the referee had called it held up. If he called it held up in play, I think the clock was in the red. That would have been the end of the match. True. So we knew it was over the line Yeah. and you saw it rolling or being placed off the, the leg onto the ground. Now, really difficult. Everything's going off at once. There's so much riding on it. I just wonder if, you know, for, if Nick Berry had maybe taken a second and took a step back or or moved his position. He's obviously seen the ball on the leg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course he has. He's not seen the ball on the ground. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have but made we, that
0: call. Mm-hmm. No.
1: But if we'd taken a second and had a look, um, we uh, we might have had a different outcome. But through the process of the TMO, uh, it, well, yeah, I mean, I think we all thought when we heard the dialogue that Scotland have done this, they've won it. Mm-hmm. And then we're really surprised within you know, a sec- second later or a couple of seconds later when it was it was over. Um but that's the frustration. It's the six nations, it throws up all sorts. Um and I know it's not any consolation, but it's a it's a it's a it's a tough one to take how you challenge that emotion, how you challenge that drive, how you use it to inspire you, how you maybe potentially use it to keep your head clear under pressure the next time the scenario like that comes up, then you know, that's that's why we look forward and, and that's why we, we look forward to England coming um, next weekend. The,
0: the thing about the Calcutta Cup is it's always got that edge. We can talk about that till we're blue in the teeth, but when we look at the start that England have had, when we look at the start that Scotland have had uh, in, this, in this Guinness Six Nations, there is a really pivotal point in week three, regardless of who you're playing,
1: <laughs> that you always. need...
0: Do you know what I mean? This is it makes it even more even more of a must win game.
1: Always. It is. I mean every game is. You know, I said at the start of the championship, your your six nations is eighty minutes. It's the first eighty minutes and then you reassess from there. Um and you get to week three and you see the same you say the same thing. It's like again. Uh, it is, it is, and it's about delivering under pressure. England have obviously one of the, the two sides have won both opening games along with Ireland. Um I think you know the 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 be Opportunities that have already been kind of picked up or identified where Scotland could maybe hopefully be successful against England, and likewise, England will be looking at the opening two games and thinking you know, there's one or two places where we can get Scotland. It all comes down to the delivery on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like the, the England's defence is really narrow, but it puts you under so much pressure. Um, They've taken a risk defensively, but that the reward from the back of it is often very good. Um, they've won both of games where they've really had to dig deep at times and 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 fight through. Now our record of late as against England is it's probably the, the best. It's been certainly through the professional era. Was it like maybe three out of the last four victories mm-hmm. or uh, one defeat in the last six? There's a draw in there as well. Um now that's motivation for Scotland, that's motivation for England. I keep saying it. it comes back to making really good decisions in the heat of the moment, under stress, under pressure, under fatigue. Um, because you know it's going to be a close game. You know that every moment counts, whether it's the last play of the first half or the you know 60th minute or the final minute, like we've seen so often, every play counts. So being aggressive and brave and having a little clarity of thinking and quality execution in any of these specific seconds is probably what's going to decide the match. Now you don't know until after the match, which one of those specific incidents, at whatever second it is, that's a crucial one. But that's why you just got to get on the right side of as many as possible.
0: So here's a question then. Gregor Townsend, reviewing opening weekends one and two. So round one, round two. Going into round three, how's he feeling about Scotland's campaign so far in the Guinness Six Nations? In your head, not his actual answer. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just a caveat. And there'll like, be
1: frustration. There'll be frustration again. Um, I think that there'll be a, there'll be a two or three different things. Frustration will be the and we said that about the under twenties. It's becoming a bit mm. of a theme in my head, but um, there'll be a real positive element of how good the good bits have been, and be that the the execution, especially in the first half of 40, 43, 44 minutes away in Wales, how we dealt with the the challenge of being away where in Cardiff where we've struggled with in the past, the quality of execution and how. Now, it's the furthest thing from simple, but how simple some of the, the that play was because it was just so precise, it was so good, it was so accurate. Um, There'll be a, a real pleasing element of the fact that against France, the scrum and the mall were two areas of what France calls sometimes the fight, that, that physical fight, especially the mall, that they try and assert pressure through. I thought Scotland did really well. The first mall we drove... Really
0: back, that, yeah, yeah mm. 12,
1: 15 metres and the next one set a platform for a contestable kick to score that that brilliant first try from. Mm-hmm. And it's the same again and it's the same for all international coaches, probably not just Gregor, in terms of how do you put it all together. Now you're not going to get 80 minutes of dominance in an international with the quality of position you're against. You're going to be up against it in, you know, for, for periods of the game. You want those periods to be as short as, as possible. Um, so I think you'll be frustrated because of how good the has been, um, and they'll be, you know, frustrated at how, I suppose, how close we've uh, we've come to to losing in Cardiff, and, and and obviously how how close it was at the weekend against France. So, middle week, really important. Um, a, a a quality week's preparation is vital, um, and just preparing the players psychologically as well for for delivering in these key moments under pressure.
0: Well, there it is then. So, as far as Scotland's concerned. Up next, it's the under-20s on Friday 23rd of February. 7.15 kick-off against England under-20s at Hive Stadium. And then it is the Calcutta Cup, 24th of February at 4.45pm. Scotland take on England looking to make sure that that Calcutta Cup remains at Scottish Gas Field for another year. As always, you can keep up to date with the latest news and content via scottishrugby.org or via Scottish Rugby's social media channels.